0: Everyone, we're here for another exciting episode of the Push Pull Factor, the podcast where we hear real migration stories from real people. I'm very excited about this week's guest because she was a two time competitor on one of my favorite television shows, Survivor on CBS. So I was only a teenager when that season aired, but it was always particularly interesting to me how they embedded culture into the storyline and I should have known this migration bug that I have was always there. He was from Brazil, and he's a very strong-hearted and bold you know, survivor castmate, and it really showed throughout the season. And This week, we're talking about Brazil, which is actually one of the few countries in South America that I have yet to visit. I do have many, many, many cities in general that I still want to visit in South America country-wise. I've visited every one on the Pacific coast of South America, so Chile. Peru, Ecuador, and Colombia, and then Argentina as well. So there's some, there's just a lot of South America and the world that I want to explore. There's some like Venezuela that'll probably be very difficult to get to, but Brazil has always been on my bucket list and it's a trip that I've been trying to make happen. So when I studied abroad there were actually some more like expensive and stricter visa restrictions for Brazil, so that's why I wasn't able to go, but I think they changed it as of twenty nineteen, so US citizens don't need a visa. Maybe that's where my first vacation will be once COVID is out of the picture, whenever that is. So tying back to episode two of the podcast, where I spoke with Dre, a soccer player from Germany, sort of I, that's how I was first introduced to Brazil, because I grew up as a soccer player and you hear about Brazil because you know, they have the most World Cup wins and such a rich soccer culture. And then also, it's, it's from an academic context, Brazil is known as a BRIC nation. So that acronym stands for Brazil, Russia, India, and China. These countries are large in size, and then they have a large population as well, and they are also at a similar stage of ec- economic and cultural development. So this term was actually coined by a Goldman Sachs economist in 2001 to express the idea that these countries with large, yet mostly poor populations were more likely to experience some rapid economic growth than countries with a higher standard of living and a more quote-unquote stable economy, making it a good idea to invest in these emerging economies to experience, to, that are likely to experience rapid growth. So between the four nations, there's no real formal alliance or treaty here, but with three billion people just between these four countries, they definitely have a lot of influence on the world and have been making it a priority to work with one another a little bit more. There's also a related acronym of BRICS that adds in South Africa as one of these countries. So it's pretty cool to get a few of the BRICS countries back to back, and I'm hoping to fill up the rest of them. You know, that's throughout the podcast. I have a few leads for an episode with India and a cool guest idea for Russia, but... You know, I'm going to start aiming high because after landing this guest, you really never know. But if you guys have any suggestions for guests, please reach out because I want to interview who you, who you guys want to hear from. And this goes for not only people, but for countries that you want to hear from and le- just learn about. So feel free to tweet me, Instagram DM, or drop an email at aiden at pushpullfactor.com. So let's shift over to migration education. This is the segment of the show where I provide a quick burst of information related to the field and to the country we're discussing today, Brazil. So Brazil has actually always had a rich history with migration, both voluntary and forced. Today we'll be speaking on a rather uncomfortable aspect of migration, but still one that has impacted the life of many Americans today, the Atlantic slave trade. As we all know, colonization is real. Throughout the 16th century and onwards, the Americas were a battleground for economic development and all the bullshit that they used to explain and justify colonialism. Yeah yeah yeah. So, let's get to Brazil. The Portuguese arrived in 1500, but it took them a while to establish an economy. So, you know, they got into sugar plantations, and then that really was kind of, you know, stimulated the economy. But they thought that the native population would provide the workforce for these crops. However, the natives quickly died out to disease, and then some of them fled from the oppressive rule of the colonial overlords. So, with this, they decided that the native population were "quote unquote" too fragile. And started to dabble into the Atlantic slave trade and started to import enslaved Africans to Brazil. And soon enough, the entire sugar plantation system was held up by the manpower of enslaved Africans. Also, I just want to note that I'm deliberately using the term enslaved and not slaves because they were not slaves. They were enslaved by the colonial powers. This also separates their identities from the circumstances that were forced upon them. Anyway, over these three centuries, Brazil received four million enslaved Africans, over four times as many as any other American destination. If you want to talk in terms of percentages, Brazil received 40% of the total n- number of Africans brought to the Americas while the United States received around 10%. Because of this today, Brazil's African descended population is actually larger than the population of some African countries in their entirety. Another fact that came across in my research was that Brazil actually continued to participate in the Atlantic slave trade well after most countries in the Americas. When they became independent in 1822, slavery was still part of the system, and the elites they didn't really push back against it because they didn't really know what else to do. And it wasn't until 1830 that Great Britain started to notice that they couldn't compete with some economies like Brazil and Cuba that were using enslaved laborers. So they started to intercept ships of enslaved Africans headed for Brazil. So it took some time for their plan to really work. But after a while, they sort of got them to cease participation in the in the Atlantic slave trade. So you notice how it wasn't until there was an economic incentive for Britain that they pushed to stop the enslavement. I that just goes to show and explain how Brazil has such a rich history and culture and Brazil has citizens of all shades and hues and you may not be able to exactly guess someone's ethnic makeup just by looking at them. In fact this comes up rather early in my interview with Abby Maria which was again such a great one. If you're a fan of Survivor you know exactly who she is and if you're not a fan of Survivor then I advise you look up her best moments on YouTube. I think this is a great segue actually, so let's get into it after a little break from a potential sponsor. Don't you just hate when you're online shopping and you go to checkout only to get slammed with a final price that includes taxes and shipping and processing? You don't really want it anymore. That's where Honey kicks in. In a moment's notice, this tool scours the internet for promo codes and automatically applies them to your order. While I am indeed doing this for Honey's super cool new Sponsor Me Honey contest for podcasters, I actually do use this tool in my everyday life, and I get such a smile on my face when I realize I'm saving money without doing any work, especially when it's one of those impulse purchases I probably shouldn't be making anyway. So if you're like me and like to do things as easily as possible, then you absolutely need, need, need to install Honey on your laptop or computer. To do that, go to joinhoney.com slash ad. Again, that's joinhoney.com slash besthoneyad. Now back to the show. Here with me today, I have Abby Maria Gomez. She's a Brazilian-born woman currently living in the United States and working as a realtor. She was also a two-time competitor on CBS The Survivor, where she placed fifth on season 25 and seventh on season 31. How are you doing today, Abby?
1: I'm doing great. I'm so happy to be here with you today and I'm really glad you did your homework.
0: I <laughs> I'm so glad to be speaking with you. I must say I'm a big fan of you since Yay. the Philippines aired and also Brazil such a vibrant culture and I couldn't I honestly couldn't think of a better person to represent. <laughs>
1: Aw, I can tell that you're chuckling inside, and I love it. Don't be nervous. I'm a I human, know. just <laughs> like you. I know. I'm, I'm,
0: I'm kind of fanboy. I'm gonna, I'm gonna be honest with of
1: <laughs> A lot of people get that way when they're around me. But just relax. I'm a human <laughs> made of bones and, and flesh, just like you. I, know. Every, I have my fears the same. too. Everyone's mm. the same. Exactly.
0: So I guess we can start, so can you tell the audience a little where in Brazil you consider your home and then where in the United States you currently live?
1: Yeah, um, I am from the heart of Brazil. I was born and raised in a city called Goiânia, and that is in the state of Goiás, which is like about an hour away from Brasília. It's almost like if you were here from the US, if you're living in like, you know, Washington DC area, Virginia. Right. yeah, because uh, we're like, you know, like the the Brasilia, the capital of Brazil. It's in the state of Goias, but it's like, you know, like uh, like DC. It's like, but in Brazil we call it DF. Um, mm. So yeah, I'm from the heart of Brazil, and now I currently live in California, in the beautiful city of Los Angeles, the city of Angels.
0: So, going back to your time in Brazil, like how was life in Brazil? Do you think there was anything, I guess that you lived through that would shock the average person from the United States, or <clears> was it kind of very similar?
1: Um, you know, uh, I think that what usually shocks people is when I tell them that I am um, mixed, that I am mm-hmm. um, you know, because I look so white, but I'm actually my mom is half black, half white, and my dad is white. So I come from a very cultured, mixed race family and people when they meet me they get really surprised because I guess I don't look uh, no. mixed to them I guess I look very um, white but I am really proud of coming from a very cultured mixed race background I'm very very proud of of that and I guess that's one of the reasons uh, one of the things that shock people when they see this blonde looking girl and her mom is black <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. No, that
0: definitely is surprising because yeah. when, when I read it in your article, I was kind of taken aback. But it kind of makes sense because I feel like Brazil is very rich in culture. I like they have people of all skin tones and like skin colors and skin shades.
1: Yeah, I think that that's what I love a lot about about Brazil. It's like people really do mix with each other. It doesn't really matter religion race uh so much you know or, or economic status i feel that back home in brazil you see a lot more people from different backgrounds uh, mixing with each other and it's just like such a beautiful and happy culture you know
0: hmm. so to get into some of the differences do you feel like race plays out a little differently in, you know, in the united states and then in brazil
1: yeah I actually do. I feel that here you see more so people of different races uh, secluding themselves or, or being scared of getting to know um, you know people from from different backgrounds. But I think it's changing. so
0: I definitely think we're on the verge of a breakthrough in society in in the state tonight.
1: I really I do think we that. are. I really do think we are on the verge of a breakthrough. Uh, and maybe I didn't feel that back home in Brazil because I come from a very mixed family. So to me, just being one is just just how I was born and raised, you know, like it's, it's just who people are. It doesn't matter your sex orientation or your race or your religion. We're all one at the end of the day. And love should be what matters at the end of the day. Agreed. Yeah.
0: So is the region you're from in Brazil, does it tend to be a more like in a minority area or is it sort of spread out in Brazil where people live?
1: Um, the city that I come from is a pretty new city, um, it's not a very old city. So it's actually a city that a lot of people from, from the coast of Brazil or different areas of Brazil migrated to. So it's more of like a new age city where um, a lot of like people that are trying to start their lives uh, at a new place went to. So it's a very modern sort of looking city as well.
0: That's pretty cool. So it's kind of like you've always kind of had a relationship with migration
1: yeah I sort of always had a relationship with migration yeah fair enough I mean even though I was born and raised there I I, I heard stories of you know my family and family members um, moving to that one city and then you know close friends of our family and uh, family members to have immigrated to other countries as well so yeah I've been always very much Uh, a part of migration and immigration throughout my life. And I think it's just like a beautiful thing that encourages people to, um, you know, dream and act on dreams and make, you know, their reality happen. You know, taking taking a step, no, you're fine. Taking a step forward and, uh, you know, just starting things that is what people are scared of and just doing it is like all you gotta do.
0: <laughs> no, I hear you. And I think no, it's truly amazing what migration can do for some people, and the fact that it continues to provide, like it, it does sustain a lot of economies with remittance with people who send money back home to their yes. home countries. So.
1: Yes. 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 Mm-hmm. Yes. I agree with you.
0: So in general, how are migrants and immigrants viewed in Brazil?
1: You know, it's a very common um, thing because, you know, Brazil is still a uh, third world developing country and uh, it it just is still a little harder to succeed in Brazil. Um, of course, there are opportunities I and, mean, you know, there is a will, there is a way. I'm not trying to say that you won't be able to succeed if you were, if you don't have the opportunity of, of moving overseas. Um, but it's very common for you to see at least one member of any family in Brazil that have moved to Europe or to uh, the United, United States, you know, just trying to make that money to send it back home mm-hmm. so that they can help You know, someone at least in their family succeed and pay for their education and, you know, like, climb that ladder.
0: Okay, so that's pretty common.
1: Very common.
0: So when it specifically came to you and your journey, I guess, what made you sort of pull the trigger and make that decision again? And then how old were you and what did you have to leave behind?
1: So when I was uh, a little girl growing up in Brazil, I had a lot of dreams and aspirations. And I knew it was going to be harder for me to succeed on these dreams, um, you know, being from where I come from. And I had uh, my fairy godmother, uh, Betulia Erickson, that was really a huge inspiration to me because she, she had moved around and lived in different places parts of the world and I would always, you know, listen to her stories and I would like be looking forward of on getting a postcard from her, you know, when we actually would send people like postcards in the mail. <laughs> and um you know, I would just always like look up to her. And I just always wanted to speak different languages and be a business woman and being dependent and successful. And for me, in my head, I always just felt that, you know, just living in a, a, a you know, powerful country um, where you have more of and ability to succeed would be what my destiny would be. So um, I was always fascinated by the United States because of the whole American dream, you know?
0: You know, there's definitely a lot of opportunity here in the stands.
1: Yeah, there is a lot of opportunity here. If you're not lazy, if you're willing to work hard, there is so much that can be done. I mean, I'm leaving the American dream and I honestly came here with nothing and now I'm a very successful realtor. I mean I've been on, on reality TV shows and I've you know I've, I've 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 been taking up space that's for sure and it, it was not because I came from a rich family here or things were handed to me. Not at all. I worked really, really really hard to make those work.
0: And it's very inspiring what you made of your life and what you made for yourself.
1: Thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah. And it was really hard leaving Brazil too because my dad wasn't in favor of it. He wanted me to go straight to university in Brazil. You know, Brazil can still be a very classicist country, and they thought, oh, you're just gonna go live overseas and and do domestic work. You know, because I came here and I worked as an au pair, which is a living nanny, um, and they were like, oh, you're not gonna be focused on your education. You're just gonna be working for. For rich people, you're never gonna grow or have an, the opportunity that you you deserve. And I proved them wrong. You know, they everybody they're my friends, my family. They they used to call me a dreamer, and I literally laughed. And and I've been proving all of them wrong. And it's a great feeling. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's definitely amazing when you can prove some naysayers wrong. I I yeah. know that.
1: Yes. Yes. And that's one not, of the reasons why I was really uh, intrigued by you having the courage to reach out to me and invite me to be a part of your podcast. Because, you know, like I told you a little bit earlier, uh, earlier, sometimes you just have to do it. And the topic is very interesting to me. So here we are.
0: Yeah, it's true. I, I had like my friends hyping me out. They're like, oh, you're not going to do it. And I'm saying, you know what?
1: <laughs> there you go. Prove them wrong. <laughs> Look at me now. <laughs>
0: So I guess, did that make education very important for you when you first arrived in the United States?
1: Yeah, education in my family, you know, it's always been very uh, important and, you know, being, you know, focusing and making sure that I was becoming a part of the American culture, learning the the, the American English, um, you know, and, and studying and learning the culture was like, number one it's 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 you have to like there is no way you're going to be successful if you don't if you don't get out there and, and and meet people you know you see when i came to the u.s i tried and stay away from like just hanging out with brazilian people i was trying to hang out with people from every different walk of life and learn from everyone that i came um you know in contact with and and just being vulnerable and being authentic and being real you can't be something that you're not in order to succeed you will find someone that loves you and respects you and wants to see you succeed in life because of your drive and i had people that did that to me like the family that i worked for as an au pair they're the ones that sponsored me for my green card because they saw so much in me you know
0: well, that's great that they did that for you.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So you just have to be yourself always. You will, you know, God will put the right people in your path if you're doing the right thing and if you're doing if you're being true to yourself.
0: So, going to when you first arrived in the states, did you know any English or did you sort of, sort of have to learn on the go and learn as you went?
1: Well, I did take uh, English lessons in Brazil, Um, because just like here in school you have to learn a second language. Here you have Mm -hmm. the option of learning Spanish and French, right? Isn't that what it is?
0: Yeah, Spanish and French are most common. My school had Italian too.
1: (laughs) Oh, nice. Um, But yeah, in Brazil you had to learn English as a second language. But you like learn grammar. Like you don't really learn the spoken English really. Um, And I went to Sweden before I came to the U.S. So I learned Swedish even before I learned English. And in Sweden they speak more of like a, a British English. So when I came to the U.S. my English was not good. Um I had to to learn. I went to ESL, you know, English as a second language, and I I in um American ears, I'm like what now? I came here in 2000. In American ears, I would say that I am 20 years old. <laughs> Even though I just turned 41. Um but yeah, no, I had to learn from from the beginning. Like the English that I spoke was not the English that people spoke here. I mean, I spoke a very like book grammar type of English. I would say, "How do you do?" rather than "Hey, what's up? How how's it going? How are you?" You know, it was it was different, and people would think I was so funny. <laughs> you
0: know, very like formal language, right? like, very formal. elementary school.
1: <laughs> yes, exactly.
0: So how did you find that job as an au pair, it was like through an agency or did you source it yourself?
1: Um, uh, well, when I uh, went to Sweden to be with my, my fairy godmother, uh, she's the one that you know uh, taught me about the whole au pair world and how like European girls traveled around the world doing that type of job. And I'm like, wow my dad is making me feel bad for wanting to work hard and go after my dream. And here you are, fairy godmother. You're telling me what I have to do in order to, to you know, sometimes you just have to, to start from, from, from nothing. So here you are just telling me what to do. So yeah, we had me with certain agencies uh, and I worked as an au in Sweden first and then I came to the US, to New Jersey, first for the summer, and I worked with a family. Then I went back to Sweden. Um, I had some work to do there with uh, my godparents. And then when I came to the U.S., I was with my godmother's sister for a little bit. Uh, But then I had to move on, and I was um, at a place in life that I didn't know if I was gonna be staying in the U.S. or going back to Brazil. To go back to university because you know I was uh, here on a tourist visa and an au pair visa but then I decided to just talk to God and and listen to the universe and I opened the newspaper in in the job session you know back when it would have job session in the newspaper there was this family in South Sal Salido which is in the Bay Area Uh, Looking for an au pair and I met with them at a coffee shop They they got me the job and then I decided you know and I told them like listen I don't know how long I'm gonna be here because my visa is about to expire and they're like, what do you need? And then from there the 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 rest is history or or a story or whatever you want to call it They applied and you know when things just work out worked out how it was meant to be it was my destiny, you know?
0: and yeah that worked out beautifully
1: beautifully beautifully
0: (laughs) shifting the conversation over to a little game you played called survivor
1: Woohoo! let's go (laughs) (laughs) i'm
0: excited it's a social game in its nature and like the show literally starts by saying you know x number of americans are marooned and then right you know you're you you are american but you're also you you have another identity you're brazilian so how was it Approaching the game as somebody who wasn't from the United States, and you have all these people who are probably most of most of them were born in the United States and culturalized here.
1: Right. Well. Um, yeah. I. I am American. I am South. I'm North American. I am South American. That's true. I I,
0: I, I studied abroad in Argentina, and I got that a lot. A lot of corrections about that. (laughs) Uh,
1: Well, I, you know, I I consider myself a citizen of the world. You know, I think we're all one, and I am a citizen of the world. I am, you know, and coming to Survivor with having such a broad cultural um, background and being so like I don't know such a minority too in the game because I was so authentic and different it was a little hard because you know it's 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 a crazy game that when you put all these people from different backgrounds different walks of life it is it is I mean it's just human behavior people will go and align usually with what they know right when you're in a situation that you don't have any control over it and you're like surviving on a deserted island people from from similar backgrounds will migrate towards each other so I had to work really 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 hard to find my footing in the game with people and connect Because, of course, people are afraid of what's different. And I I was and still am definitely different. And then hopefully if I have a chance again, you know, I've grown so much and I've learned so much about myself that I can maybe, you know, get some people to sympathize more with my authenticity and being a minority and where I come from so that we can all... You know, I, but I think that the world is changing so much right now that I think that I would have a chance of people actually being curious of the unknown.
0: Yeah, I think it could definitely be a, an opportunity for just even on the show itself to sort of take a new narrative and have yeah. these conversations, put them on air.
1: I think that's needed, don't you?
0: Yeah, I, I agree 100%. I feel like they, There's a lot of shit they probably brush under the rug.
1: Yeah, like right now, Big Brother, oh my gosh, like the fi- the finalists. is just like, really? Yeah. Like we're so sick and tired of this. <laughs> yeah, and no, it I happens mentally with- checked out. Yeah, everybody mentally checked out. You don't even see people talking about it on social media anymore. It's just like, eh. like why can't we just spice things up? Let's all give people from all different walks of life, really, opportunities in a game show in America like we need to to change from production too. we have to have um, different back more you know more people from different walks of life in production as well because at the end of the day Mm -hmm. they are writing a story You know, it's it it is a a un. It's not a scripted show; it's unscripted. But at the end of the day, you do have producers and editors and executive producers writing the story. You know, and they will cut and paste the way the way it goes.
0: You know, yeah, they definitely have a narrative to tell, and I feel like they for sure ask some leading questions in those interviews. Um, they have a.
1: Yes. Yes. Yes.
0: Speaking of tribal council, there's actually one in particular I want to probe on a little bit more. I think you might know the one, but it's where Peter went home in the Philippines, and I feel like they hammered into you about you and your perception whether or not culture played a role in your position on the tribe. I want to ask how difficult was that conversation for you, because it was just difficult to watch from the couch.
1: It was so difficult being on my seat. I was like with my back definitely uh against the wall. I really didn't want Pete to go because he was my my loyal member of that alliance and I mean just look at the people that were there. Okay. Oh, they were all There were all people from like similar background. It was like who was there? It was like Denise. It was um Michael Scoopin, Malcolm. Malcolm...
0: And um, Lisa, Welchel. Welch, Lisa
1: Welchel. And Lisa Welchel, come on. Lisa Welchel, huge Christian, love her though, but she's very conservative. Um, Michael Scoopin, huge Christian, very conservative. Mm. Denise, more liberal, uh, but that lady was fighting for her life and yeah. I... You know, she was coming from a tribe, uh, a tribe that was decimated and she had to do whatever she had to in order to get to the end. And and I knew what she was doing and I have no hate towards her, but it was obvious that they were sticking to what they knew and they weren't Mm -hmm. really giving me a fair chance. I could have had a better attitude and I could have played smarter and I was just... You know, I had torn my ACL, I was starved, and I was emotionally suppressed, so I was just like, you know, I, 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 my social game wasn't there, um, and I was just depleted emotionally too, because at the end of the day, I knew exactly what was happening. They were sticking to what they knew, and they weren't really mm-hmm. giving me a chance.
0: It's definitely a good point to bring up the conditions because on top of the game you're playing, you're hungry, you're tired, you're thirsty, you haven't slept in a real bed in weeks.
1: Terrible. And it's the bugs hard. are eating you alive and it rains and and it's raining and you're wet and you're uncomfortable. You can't really think clearly. I was, you know, I mean, I'm a huge fan of the show, but back that. I'm an even bigger fan of the show now but back then I was still sort of like learning about Survivor. I was still learning a lot about myself. I mean I had just gotten my, my, my citizenship recently. I was you know still climbing that social ladder mm-hmm. and I'm not um, embarrassed to say that because I was climbing it. I came here with zero and I was trying to climb it. So So I was very um, aggressive on on, on my way of of finding my place in life here in the United States. And I think that maybe I brought that aggression into the game as well. You know, like when you're fighting for your life as an immigrant in America, you have to be, you have to be strong. And I think I came really strong into the game and i robbed a lot of people the wrong way i should have found i should have found more uh a way of connecting with people without being so aggressive if that makes any sense hmm.
0: <laughs> it definitely makes a lot of sense and it's actually pretty cool hearing you reflect on your experience as i'm sure it's pretty hard with a million dollars on the line because that could do a lot for you and your family
1: yeah, yeah, it's a, a lot, lot of money. <laughs> money. It's a lot of money for someone that came here looking for the American dream. Imagine that. Like, wow. Mm-hmm. From being, you know, an au pair to now fighting for a million dollars on a reality TV show as the, the only Brazilian-American that has ever played this huge uh, American uh, reality TV show game that is, like, the biggest one. It was just, like, you know, you have so many feelings going on and you're representing and... it was just so much and I think I still have PTSD from it and second chances I think that I I, I was so focused on all the mistakes that I had made on the Philippines and how hard it was for me to even like get people to try and and get to know me that I think that I hindered my own game too so but I've learned a lot with my experiences
0: so actually, let's go back to Survivor Second Chances and your second time around, this time filmed in Cambodia. So did you go in thinking, okay, there are some things I need to change? Or were you just like, I'm Abby and I'm back?
1: Well, I came in really scared because I'm like, okay, so I, on 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 Philippines, you know, like when I saw my edit and how I, I, I was on the show, I was just like, oh God. Um, uh, and then you know, second chances comes, and then I'm just, like, really worried on on how people, uh, you know, are perceiving me. Do they think I'm, like, really that person that they saw in the Philippines? I was just really afraid uh, of being... I was just very defensive and scared on second chances. I wasn't... I was just too attached to the game that I had played in the Philippines, and Mm. I... I should have been less of uh, about me, I should have been more like, okay, let's start from a clean slate. I thought that I, I was doing that, but I wasn't really because I was too worried about how people were thinking instead of just building relationships with them, you know, I was just too worried about myself. And it's not about you in the game of Survivor. It's about building relationships with people and getting to know them so that they don't want to get rid of you. Less, aggress- less aggression, less defensiveness. Because when you're too defensive, you become aggressive, right? And, and I was always just mm-hmm. very defensive. So that's why I think that I deserve another chance. So that I can be, you know, less about me and more about other people. To I make to the end so I can win a million dollars.
0: I'd love to see you play again. So let's hope you can make it happen.
1: See, they're not even shooting the show anymore because of coronavirus.
0: So sticking to Cambodia, I'm curious with the dynamics on that season. On the Philippines, it was a mostly new cast aside from the three returnees. So I feel like people were more inclined to stick to what they know, like you said earlier. On second chances, however, some people knew each other outside the game. And it was just a little more intense as an all-star season. So do you think people's intentions change about who they want to align with and who they partner with?
1: Um, I think that the whole pre-game alliance thing has a huge weight on how the sh- the the show is going to carry on, you know. And, and it's a bummer. It's a bummer that, you know, people that are from the same states or they were from the same seasons prior um, will come in and they will have that alliance. And it will make very hard for people that are like... They were on the show before, but they're just living their regular lives and not really that in touch with the survivor community to go and and, and fight for their lives and play the game because you know, the the pre-game alliances can hinder a lot of other players' games, for sure. A shift to the dynamics a lot. If that answered your question.
0: So being on reality television, you're projecting yourself, actually not even yourself, a version of yourself, To the american public how is that experience especially in the context of somebody who actually wasn't born in the united states
1: um you know um it's just i think that as as human beings we have so many different layers you know of our personality and think about this with me you're on a deserted island, you're not eating, you tore your ACL, you're starving, like it's just so many, like you're not your, your relaxed self, you're yourself under distress, no one is really like the best version of themselves when they're starving on a deserted island trying to fend for themselves, right, so it's a very stressful version of yourself So I feel like America saw a very stressed out version of myself. So I think that sometimes I am a problem that people are trying to solve when I'm really like very simple (laughs) because sometimes I'm like, people just have all these ideas and then now people are scared of me. (laughs) And I'm like, I'm this little five foot tall girl, tiny, like there's nothing I can do. I'm just... I'm just a fighter, and and that's a good thing.
0: I agree, it's definitely a good thing.
1: Very resilient, that's for sure. But yeah, you know, some people... But now I see more of how, you know, some people can be very racist in America. Because Mm -hmm. some people, they don't even give me, me the opportunity to even be myself with them. They just... They just don't care. Another thing that I realized here much is that people just want to be right. (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) People just want to be right. That's another thing that I like. People are not even trying to learn or understand, you know, uh, someone else's culture or someone else's feelings or, you know, people just this. They just want to be right. And that makes it a little hard sometimes, but. You know, the platform has been great, though. I've been doing a lot of things with people that, that appreciate my authenticity. And I love giving back and working with different charities and, uh, you know, talking to people like you, doing podcasts mm-hmm. and, and being an inspiration. Hopefully, a little girl from, I don't know, Mexico, who knows? Uh, is listening to this and she'll fight for her right to party <laughs> <laughs> I,
0: I sure hope so
1: i hope so too little girl little g- or a little boy or whatever yeah, whoever yeah, it is anything anyone that has a dream you know to just you just get out make there it a reality. yeah you can make it a reality just believe in yourself be true to yourself
0: so transitioning away from Survivor and more towards your life and career, I know you had a business venture in Z Acai. Hope I pronounced that right. So let's start there. How was that experience being in business as an immigrant and what led you down the path of entrepreneurship?
1: You know, I went to business school in San Francisco and when I was going to business school, um, I did this personality test and, um, then when I, and then it came out very entrepreneurial. And then when I came to Los Angeles, I was working in private equity. I was in EA for a very uh, successful businessman. And he had a beverage company himself. So then I got cast on Survivor. And I'm like, you know, the, 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 the entrepreneurial business in me was like, I need to have something when I am on that show. Um, exactly. You know, like it's, it's almost yeah. like my...
0: It's natural.
1: Yeah, my master's degree or my Ph, Ph, Ph.D. Just coming out with a product and putting it out on the market, and that was like a very successful venture for me. Um, being able to put together a great group of people, you know, a marketing person, an attorney, a salesperson, and all believing my idea and create that product it was very difficult but it was very fun at the end of the day too to just just be able to to create something put it out in the market win gold medals it was just very satisfying i just you know i just need more money in order to come up with more zsie so if if there are any investors listening let's let's make some magic happen
0: invest in the podcast too if you have some money to throw around
1: there you go See, <laughs> <laughs> put it out there in the universe
0: <laughs> so since then you've shifted your career to being a realtor i want to ask what led you down that path specifically
1: so real estate has always been a passion of mine and it is a very entrepreneurial job you know i love the flexibility of it uh, i love everything that real estate itel- it entails you know um I'm sorry about my accent i still have a strong accent um but mm-hmm. I, I i i i'm sure you understand me and I'm, I'm pretty sure your listeners will as well my grandfather back home in brazil made pretty good money with investing in real estate so you know that was instilled in me and then uh, everyone in my family always told me that i'm like a great business person and i just Everything just led me into becoming a realtor, and I just think that real estate's a very tangible way of investing. Uh, you know where your money is at. You can touch it. You can feel it. Uh, it's very, um, you know, you, it's 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 very creates a very creative industry too, and it's a very creative um, form of investing your money as well. There's so much you can do with it. So I just. Believing real estate always have um, and it just like uh, just like my citizenship is sort of like the universe just conspired and it all came together and now I am this very successful realtor for a company called Ingo Invokers which is like a global uh, real estate company and it has so much to do with everything that I believe in and I'm just here making all this magic happen for all this this uh, savvy real estate investors and I've been focusing now in development when in commercial real estate and working a lot with international buyers and it's just a lot mm. of fun but it's very um, stressful too and there is always a uh, the opportunity of learning there's always a learning curve in real estate so and just just love everything about it <laughs>
0: Yeah, I never knew how important creativity was in realty until I started watching Selling Sunset on Netflix, actually, and I saw that all that went into selling a house, like there's the staging of it, making sure the aesthetic is right, and then you really need to drum up some anticipation for these open houses. So it's honestly marketing, sales, investing, finance, all these different industries rolled into one.
1: And therapy, too. Because you become too. a therapist about <laughs> to the buyers and the sellers. Because you know, people are emotional. Buyers are emotional, sellers are emotional. It's like a big lump sum of money they're investing yeah. into a property and so much is built in a home, you right, right? As a seller. Like people build families, you know. And you know, and then people that wanna buy homes, they're just they have all these expectations. So it's a very overall job, and I, if I would um, describe the job as a realtor, I would say you're the lightning rod, <laughs> because everything <laughs> is happening. You just have to keep cool. And co- Actually, I should go back on Survivor as a realtor. Just be the lightning rod, cool and collected. <laughs> just let everybody come to you. Just give everyone the best <laughs> advice ever so that they want to keep you there. <laughs>
0: exactly don't be aggressive
1: yeah don't be aggressive don't be like the feisty little abby from survivor philippines telling everybody that they're dead to you that's (laughs) not the (laughs) way to go (laughs) but at the same time you know like back then i was just like oh my god i'm gonna be on tv i have to be a character too Like so many (laughs) things go through your head like i wanted to be someone that everybody was going to be talking about and look everybody talks about abby from survivor (laughs)
0: And people will still quote you and all your quotes to this day.
1: Oh, I'm getting like <laughs> so many different quotes. What? Brazilian dragon. You're that yeah. to me. Villains <laughs> have more fun. What else? You're looking like a voter. Who voted for me twice? <laughs> you voted for me twice, <laughs> who? That was my favorite. <laughs> yeah. If somebody
0: voted for me twice, I wouldn't let them forget it if they were still alive. Oh, my own.
1: <laughs> I did not let him forget it. That's for sure. And like at the end of the day, I was so right about people too that I'm like, Look at Scoupen. He's in jail now. Yeah. I knew that he was yeah. like. And you hey. hit him with a coconut. And I hit him with a <laughs> coconut. Yes. <laughs> oh, he deserved it, and we didn't even know. See, yeah. I always surrender myself to the universe and God and things. Really, like when you decide to surrender and and just. Uh, go with the flow of life of course you're not just gonna sit there and expect like a magic wand to just let things happen for you, you gotta work towards things too but like if if your soul if you surrender it to god and like it will it will put you in the in the right path you know i knew that my first time around I wasn't going to win, and my second time around, I wasn't going to win, too. I still had a lot to learn with the game, but I think that if I go back there again, I think that I, I can have a case, like a case of growth, a case of being a woman in her 40s now that has learned so much, independent, minority, mixed race. I think that there is so much to be said.
0: I agree, and even in your first two seasons, you do have a lot to be proud of. Not everybody who plays Survivor even gets invited back, and then you made the merge twice.
1: God, yes! And I won idols, and I won competitions, Yeah, you had an idol. Yeah, and I had a torn ACL on top of it. Like, and that's the other thing that's the craziest. When I came back to the U.S. from the Philippines, I had to go straight through surgery. And it was a hardcore surgery. It took me like two years to get better. And then I had to do this whole like, um, you know, campaign to get back on <laughs> to do second chances to do it again. The <laughs> moment that I am feeling good, then I go back on second chances. So it, it, it was very intense.
0: I feel like Survivor is one of those opportunities it's probably very hard to say no to.
1: Such first world problems, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah
0: for,
1: no, for sure. oh.
0: Shifting back to your migration story, is there a sizable Brazilian population in LA? And what steps do you take to get a slice of home while you're here?
1: Oh my gosh, there are Brazilians everywhere, really. Um, Yes, there is a huge population of Brazilians in in LA. Um, Like I told you, I, you I love Brazil. I love my culture. Brazil is home, but the US is home too. I love the US and I love everything about the USA. So with that being said, I am a citizen of the world. I just don't try to just stick with just any... Uh, 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 Clicks of people, you know, like I have friends from all different walks of life, races, religions, sex-oriented, like everything. So yeah, like talking food-wise, if I'm ever feeling like I want to go eat some Brazilian food, I go to Bossa Nova or I go to Fogo de Chão. There are so many different um, Brazilian restaurants here and markets supermercado brasil and i have a lot of brazilian friends too but i don't stick just with brazilians mm-hmm. just because i am brazilian i love all people from all different walks of life because i love learning and we're all one at the end of the day but brazil is beautiful yeah. and i love my brazilian people too
0: yeah i'm definitely the same way i really like appreciate having friends from all over the world who were raised in different cultures and really getting to try and experience different foods
1: Yeah, and LA is great for that because it's like literally like a melting pot. So I I love being in LA. I think LA is a great city, yeah.
0: So So although I live in Boston now, I'm originally from New York and I feel like it's a similar vibe to what you're describing about LA with a lot of people from so many different countries and really interacting with a lot of people that are, you know, first or second generation American.
1: Oh, okay. Nice. Boston is awesome too, right? A lot of Brazilians in Boston. Oh, yeah, no, there's a lot (laughs)
0: here. Nah. So, obviously, we're living through a pandemic now, and travel is a little difficult. But in a non-COVID world, do you travel back home to Brazil frequently? Like, how often would you visit your family?
1: Yeah, um, I go back to Brazil often. Not right now, because of COVID. Uh, But I was there last year? Was it last year? I think I was there last year for a few weeks with my mom. I was in August. She had to take care of some some business related family business related and, and i i went to a, com, a, a company accompany her mm-hmm. um, accompany her um you know i'm actually gonna be seeing my parents again very soon now in november i uh, haven't seen them since COVID started but you know we're all getting tested and then i'm gonna go see them for thanksgiving because they're going back to brazil in december for a little while Um, But yeah, I'm very much still in touch with my Brazilian family. I still have family out there. Um, We still have property, uh, still pay taxes there and here. So yeah, people think, oh, you're an immigrant, you're not paying taxes here. I got news for you. I pay taxes here (laughs) and there too, okay? (laughs) So we're all (laughs) paying taxes. Um, People are just trying to create a better life for their families at the end of the day.
0: So you've been living in the US for a little bit, so what advice would you give a migrant in your shoes? So say a young person, try to make the most of their life here in the, in the United States.
1: Um, you know, try and not be involved just with people from your own culture. For example, if you're Brazilian and you're coming here don't try and hang out just with Brazilian people because that way you're just going to be speaking Portuguese and you're not going to learn English You have to submerge yourself into the culture of that country So here in the United States you want to become an American learn about American culture And it's you know learning about a country's culture you don't learn that overnight And there are a lot mm-hmm. of little nuances that you have to learn especially because America is a a melting pot you have You know, people that came from all over the world. So, you know, try and and build a network of people from all over the world. Learn the the culture. Focus on education. Even though it's uh, it's a a new trend now that you have to be like an entrepreneur or whatever with like all the social media thing going on. At the end of the day, um, education is knowledge and knowledge is power. Mm -hmm. So get a skill or something, you know what I mean? Believe in yourself. Be your authentic self. Be v- be vulnerable. Be open to learning. Uh, nobody will ever take knowledge away from you because it's power. And I repeat that again. Um, and believe in yourself. And be fierce. And be resilient. And just just be feisty. Go get it. <laughs> <laughs> Don't let I anybody that. I tell
0: think
1: you. To take that advice. Yeah. Don't let anybody tell you that you can't do it. Like prove people wrong. Just just do like Tom Brady did. Hold my beer. And just go <laughs> there and score like a touchdown like a second before the game is gonna, you know, end. I don't know. Just make magic happen. Just like how I did it when I was supposed to be voted out so many times. I'm like, oh, <laughs> you wanna vote me out? Hold my beer. <laughs> hold my idol yeah hold my idol wait a second (laughs) there you go
0: so we're getting down to the final question which is a staple that i ask every single guest on the podcast is your migration journey over do you see yourself returning to brazil to live permanently or even living in another country in between then
1: my migration is not over Um, I don't see myself living just in one place I am a queen darling so I (laughs) hope to have a house in every continent one day what about that have my own little empire Of course, the United States will always be a part of my life. This is home to Brazil will always be a part of my life. That is home too. But there are a lot of really cool countries around the world, okay? So I still want to like migrate like a little bird or a butterfly and go places and kiss flowers and hopefully get married, you know, with someone that's, uh, you know, highly intellectual, successful, kind. And a little travel bug like me, mm-hmm. so and have a baby and have a family and and have that, you know. Then she, they. How does the, the, the Cinderella story end again? Yeah. Happily ever after. Happily, <laughs> yeah, happily, <laughs> happily ever, ever after.
0: after. Definitely get that answer. I can I can really see that you're truly a citizen of the world and you probably can't be tied down to just one country.
1: I can be just yeah. with one man. But, yeah. you know, I can be just with one man. Yeah. But, like, you know, he needs to to be, like, an exciting person, too.
0: Yeah, they need to be worldly. I definitely have yeah, the same requirement. Like,
1: if Meghan Markle wasn't married to Prince Harry, hey, Prince Harry. <laughs> 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 I'll find my own Prince for Harry.
0: <laughs> yeah. Unfortunately, we are at time. And it was great speaking with you, Abby. And my inner Survivor fan is actually still freaking out.
1: What? Yay! Ah! let's group together! <laughs> this is great. Yes. I hope that I gave you good information. I'm a little bit tired because yesterday was my birthday and last oh night my, I, I didn't it. sleep so well. I had to wake up really early to give a, a friend of mine a ride to the airport. And then when I came back and actually decided to go to sleep again, they decided to do work on the roof of my, above oh. me. So it's just like, I'm just tired today. So I'm glad <laughs> that it turned out good.
0: It turned out great this was amazing and so fun and so informative do you have anything that you want to plug share or shout out to the audience
1: if anyone is looking to buying or selling any homes anywhere in the world holler at your girl i got you and it's at the abby maria on social media and it's t-h-e-a-b-i-m-a-r-i-a the one and only
0: I'll definitely make sure to throw it in the description. And again, thank you so much, Abby. Have a good one.
1: Thank you so much. It was a pleasure talking to you, too.
0: Thank you so much, Abby. Have a great day.
1: You, too. Thanks. Bye.
0: That was so much fun, and I honestly hope I didn't sound like too much of a fanboy when I was interviewing Abby, because it was pretty surreal speaking with somebody that was on one of my favorite shows. But it was really great getting the cultural context of a reality competition show like Survivor and On top of that, getting to hear about Abby's migration from Brazil and her own personal journey. And just like on the show, she was very animated and bold and unfiltered. And I really love that and appreciate that about her. But if you loved what you heard today and you want to hear more real migration stories from real people, make sure to subscribe wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at PushPullFactor. And check out our website at PushPullFactor.com. Have a good one. Bye.